Hey everyone, it's Celine. The Dreamcatcher podcast recently celebrated its fifth anniversary. Since 2018, we have done over 130 interviews with prominent thought leaders in personal growth and spirituality. If you recently joined our community, you may have missed some of the great guests we have had in the past. That's why I decided to republish two older interview episodes per month so that you can enjoy content from the past. I hope you like listening to this past episode as much as our newer content. Be sure to subscribe, share, and rate this podcast if you haven't already. Thanks. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another Dreamcatcher podcast interview special. Today, I'm going to be taking you into a fascinating world where we can get deeper and more profound insights into the complexity and beauty of the human psyche. I'm always on the lookout for tools to help me get a better understanding of our inner workings. That's why I was absolutely delighted when I came across the work of Carolyn Mace, a spiritual guide and medical intuitive who's written five New York Times bestsellers. Her book, Sacred Contracts, had a deep and lasting impact on how I perceive the world. It introduced me to the world of symbolic sight and archetypes. To help me bring this topic to the forefront, I decided to speak with Stacy Couch, who is certified in shamanic practice and an archetypal consultant who leads Carolyn Mesa's Sacred Contracts online school. With her deeply rooted experience in the fields of science and spirituality, Stacy has a unique blend of rational and mystical perspective that makes intuition and symbolic sight easily accessible to others. She also has a biology degree in ecology and a deep interest in conservation efforts. You can visit her website www.wildgratitude.com to get her free What's My Spirit Animal ebook as well as learn details about her upcoming shamanism and horses retreats. Join me now for a mystical conversation with Stacy that will elevate your understanding and enable you to reach higher levels of consciousness and personal growth. Hi, Stacy. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Celine? I'm doing great. Thanks. I'm really happy to be speaking with you today about your professional journey as a healer and also to hear your take on a range of really interesting topics from shamanism to archetypes and 
finding our life purpose. So I really appreciate you being here with us today to discuss all of that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be able to share some of the things that I'm very passionate about. And obviously, I'm very grateful to be able to do the work I do because it is exciting and interesting. Right, right. Okay, so shall we get started? Yes, absolutely. Perfect. Okay, so let's start out with learning a little bit about your journey as a healer. Could you please tell me a little bit about what exactly motivated you to switch career paths from a wildlife biologist to a shamanic practitioner? Because that seems like a pretty big jump. Yeah, yeah. And it's always one of those hindsight is 2020 type of things where looking back, it seems like, wow, I did make a big jump. Right. But at the time, it happened over the course of a number of years. So I'll give it that caveat to people who are looking to make a big change for themselves that it takes it often takes time. You know, some people can do it overnight. But for me, it was over the course of many years, many, Mm -hmm. many years. But I could say that the interest in me was always there in shamanism from a very early age. I read uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves when I was 12, which obviously talks about shamanic practice. Mm -hmm. I read the Clan of the Cave Bear series, which also very much shamanic in nature. And I related very strongly with them, but I didn't know that anybody was doing that as a career. And I knew I wanted to be around animals and be outside. And and I do have a science mind as well. I do have a mind for numbers and figures and theories and studies. So I followed that path. And there was, you know, I I studied in wildlife biology for about six years. I did wildlife research for about six years, worked in the field. I worked for the National Park Service, the Forest Service, different universities. So I had a lot of different jobs and tried a lot of different ways to help out saving the planet, so to speak. And I I kept running into, okay, maybe I need to try something else. Maybe I need to try something else. And I kept trying all these different things within wildlife biology and kept finding that I didn't feel like I was making a difference. I felt like it was just a academic exercise Mm -hmm. and that there was so many things wrong with the civilized world and society in terms of how they viewed nature. And that was really where things needed to change in terms of how humans related to nature so that they valued animals in the natural world so that they made decisions differently. Because I kept feeling like we were going in as the researchers and trying to figure out how to mop up problems that had already been created. So that was the the gist of what was going on for me. Uh Were you getting all these in form of like intuitive hits? I would say it was generally my ponderings. Your ponderings, right. My inner dialogue. And also I and somewhere along the way in my doing the wildlife research, I met my husband. And so and he's was in the same field. So we had a lot of conversations about it too, because I I had someone I could trust in terms of opening up about here are my doubts about what we're doing here. Right. So I did move into wildlife education. That was kind of an intermediary step. I worked for a wildlife rehabilitation center mm-hmm. and a raptor education program. So I took hawks and owls and held them on the glove. So they were falconry trained birds and took them to different schools and programs to help raise awareness about the plight of wildlife. So that was kind of the next step in there. But there was something deeper all the whole time stirring in my spiritual self, my spiritual life. I had and have a very active dream life. Mm -hmm. And there was a time when I was working out on an island alone, helping, trying to save. We did eventually, that eventually happened. Mm -hmm. An endangered species of fox. Right. So while I was there, I was alone. 
And that time alone, I had a lot of time to think. Mm -hmm. Probably way too much time to think. Okay. But also watch my dreams and watch the birds that were around me. There are a lot of birds on the island, a lot of hawks on the island. And that started to wake up. There's something going on at a different level or layer here. And I want to know more about that. So I started to follow the rabbit down the rabbit hole is really how it all began. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. You mentioned a lot about your relationship with hawks and wildlife in your book, Gracious Wild. And you describe your calling as cultivating a sacred bond between humans and nature and also empowering people with the ability to form a connection with their own souls. So how did you realize your calling and did learning about your archetypes help you in your realization? Yes, that time when I was working out on the island, which I talk about the the beginning of Gracious Wild, the book, I share the story of my time out on the island. And during that time was when my mom sent me a copy of Sacred Contracts, Carolyn Mace's book, Sacred Contracts in the Mail. So that was my first introduction, formal introduction to archetypes. I'd been learning about them without knowing it all along. But so I delved into, I had all this time on my hands. Okay, what are my archetypes? Mm-hmm. And so that was really part of, well, what am I here to do? It opened up that whole question of what am I here to do? What bigger calling am I here to serve? And I would say it wasn't like an overnight epiphany by any stretch of the imagination. It was a lot of small moments, pivotal moments where I was given pieces of the puzzle that right. started to put things together. Yeah, yeah, that's often how it is, right? It very rarely comes to you at, you know, just one, you had one instance, it's like, you find pieces of the puzzle, and it gradually the picture becomes clearer. Yes. Yeah. And I think, for me, part of it was um, the experiences with the Hawks and getting really clearly that part of my work was being a mouthpiece, being right. speaking up for the animals and helping people connect more with animals. And then as I started to delve into the realm of people connecting with animals, then it became working with people. (laughs) So I went from the far extreme of living out in the woods. I really did live out in the woods for a whole summer, for three months of the summer in my tent one year. Um, So getting totally, and there was no roads, no paths to where I was in the old forest in British Columbia. (laughs) That reminds me of Cheryl Strain, who wrote the book Wild. I don't know, it reminds me Mm -hmm. of that her story a little bit. Was it something like that? I have not read her book, but I can say it was very much a movement from being totally out of society to now I'm completely immersed every day. I'm I'm with people and with what's going on in their lives every day. Yeah. Right. And did you find it a little tough to get integrated back into society after being out for so long on your own? I did, but I also, and that was the initial summer that I did field work. And what I did realize is that, that I did want to be around people. Yeah. That was the, okay. You know, I I was out with a group of people that, but they were all new to me. And I was like, I do want to be around my family and my friends. Mm -hmm. I did want to be around my family and my friends. That was really important to me. Yeah. So it was, okay, how do I do this both? How do I have a relationship, a marriage? That was part of moving from scientific, you know, wildlife research to, I work, first worked for small businesses and nonprofits and then shamanic practice. But yeah, it was like, how do I have a relationship and a home? Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to move around every six months, but also be involved with nature and the natural world and helping out with this overall systemic problem that we have 
right. in terms of ecosystems and species right. in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So besides doing the work that you do with, you know, wildlife preservation efforts, you're also a certified archetypal consultant mm-hmm. who helps people discover and learn about their archetypes and their sacred contracts. So for my listeners who aren't familiar with the terms archetypes and sacred contracts, could you please explain what each one means and why they're significant in a person's life? Yeah, so archetypes, that's a good place to start. Yeah. I'll give you a very brief but uh, thorough description. Sure. If we break the word down into its parts, mm-hmm. we see that there's the word arche, which means original. Mm-hmm. Or and you can even think of it as ancient, kind of close to that word, but original and types, which is comes from the Greek word typos, which is pattern template. Okay. So it's the original template. And archetypes are basically symbols. We can apply them to anything, but in this case, we're talking about human archetypes. Right. Uh, so I'll give you some really basic examples: mother, magician, father, child, victim saboteur. Mm-hmm. It's the pretty easy to, right. when you start hearing the words, you're like, wow, that's so obvious. We talk archetypes all of the time. We say, right. oh, she's such a princess. We've been <laughs> seeing that in fairy tales, right? Growing up, we just didn't have the languaging to describe, you know, all these characters that we saw in stories and in movies, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we're reading archetypes in other people all the time. We say, oh, he's such a geek. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop being such a jokester. Right. Yeah. So we were, man, she was really being a bully. So we use, we actually use the names of the archetypes all the time. Right. Yeah. And dialogue without even noticing. Right. So that's that piece. And then there's this idea of sacred contracts, which is a system that Carolyn Mace developed. I think the book came out in 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. And so this has to do with Sacred contracts has to do with this idea that we have a number of archetypes that we are working with at any given time. And those archetypes are set in a wheel, basically a a chart that is a map that helps us understand how they're moving, what areas of our life they're moving, and gives us deep insight into the impersonal, invisible layer of what's going on, you know, what patterns are running. So Carolyn Mace describes archetypes as the patterns of power. So this helps us see things really impersonally, which is one of the main reasons why working with archetypes and working with your sacred contracts is significant is because it helps you see things impersonally and stop being in the drama and come out of the drama and be able to get deep wisdom and insight so that you can move forward and express more of your potential. Right. And what is the difference between a sacred contract and a life purpose? Because when I first came across the term, that's how I interpreted what it means. Yeah. How do we know what the difference is? Yeah, there definitely is a difference between life purpose and sacred contract. Yeah. And the main difference is that life purpose is a part of your sacred contract. Right. And because I'm going to go kind of look at the assumption, most people, when they hear life purpose, they think that that means their job, their career. Uh So what they're actually doing out in the world that other people are seeing. Right. And your career is just one part of your sacred contract. Right. Your sacred contract also has to, it's the whole of your life. It has to do with how you form your image of yourself, your identity. It has to do with how you relate to other people. It has to do with your interior life that nobody else sees. It has to do with the challenges 
that are you're presented with in your life and the gifts as well. You know, the gifts that you may have an incredible gift for being generous with others. And that, you know, it, of course it incorporates into your career, but it isn't what your career is about, right? So it looks at the bigger picture of you and, and the multiple purposes. So I think when we think of life purpose, we think it's supposed to be one thing and, oh, I need to figure out what that one thing is. Exactly. The sacred contract takes that pressure off because now you're looking at what are my purposes in my own interior life, in my relationships, in the greater collective. You look at the whole picture. It's a holographic view. Yeah, it's a holographic graphic yeah that's a relief to know that because you know there is a lot of pressure to find out what your life purpose is I mean there's so much it's such a buzzword Mm -hmm. in the field of self-development yeah yeah as we talked about this whole idea of archetypes and sacred contracts is developed by Carolyn Miss who wrote the book sacred contracts and in the book she mentions that we have 12 archetypes in total four of them being the survivor archetypes, that's the child, the saboteur, the victim, and the prostitute. And the other eight represent our unique personal archetypes. So what exactly are the four survivor archetypes in a nutshell? And what are some examples of potential personal archetypes? Okay. Yeah. So before we dive in, this is One of the key pieces, I think, when people learn about, okay, I have 12 archetypes that I was born into this life with and that travel with me over the course of my life. So they are the archetypes that drive the patterns for the story of the whole of my life. The first thing people do is go, okay, I want to know what my 12 are. And then they immediately start ruling out archetypes. So as people start thinking about this, what I want to encourage people to do is cast a wide net in terms of when they're brainstorming, what might my archetypes be? And do not be too quick to rule them out. You can narrow them down later. If that's not the big deal. You know, our minds have a way of wanting to, oh, get, I want to get to the answer. I want to yeah, get to the that's answer. Me. That's me. That's how. Guilty as charged. Yes. That was me. So, <laughs> I definitely want to point that out. And usually yeah. then what happens next is people go, oh, four, there's four survivor archetypes that all of us have in common. Oh, okay. So that's already taken care of. All right. Skip over those. I want to know what my unique ones are. Yeah, I want to know how I'm. That was me. That's that was me. <laughs> so I'm glad. Yep. That. Yes. That's the, that's the first. Those are the two caveats before we start getting into the details that I want to visit. Right. That's the big thing there. And really paying attention to you. So what I want to encourage people to do is to pause mm-hmm. first and say, okay, let me really learn about these survivor archetypes. Because otherwise what might happen if you don't understand these patterns is you might go out and start picking of your personal unique set of eight. You might actually be using patterns of the survivor archetypes and trying to find other archetypes to explain them, but you've already have them explained oh, in the survivors. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So the best way I have of describing that is a lot of people will bring in the bully archetype or the bully or coward archetype, mm-hmm. not realizing that what they're describing within themselves is actually the victim. It's already been accounted for. Mm-hmm. So you worry about that later when you're refining things down, but you can kind of save yourself some duplication right. if you know the survivors well. And they are the legs of the table. You know, so you hear those names, victim, saboteur, prostitute, child. Oh, okay. But the other three, it's like, whoa, yuck. You know, like yeah, yeah, immediately yeah, no. <laughs> the first thing we do is we read the shadow of those. 
And so Carolyn could have given, other people have done this, and Carolyn could have too. She could have given them fluffy names, you know, or talked about names from the light side of things, from the positive aspect of them, because every archetype has a light and a shadow. But the reason why she chose these less than savory names or she went with because they're so obvious is because they are so obvious. The second you hear the word victim, you are in the field of that archetype. You have no choice because it is such a visceral shared experience for all of us. All of us know what it feels like to be humiliated and ridiculed and made fun of. We know. And we're brought right into the victim. Mm -hmm. And regardless of it, if we're brought right into the shadow, we're still now we're in the field of the archetype. Okay. Good. We've got it. No questions asked. And then we can start figuring out what is the light later on. But these archetypes, people often see them as our weak points, but they are actually the strong points. They are for our foundational. These are the survivors. These are what help us survive. These are what help us be alive in this life and give us the opportunity to have all of these other expressions. Yeah, but I think the key is to learn how to work with the energy in a way that's, you know, to make it a positive aspect in your life. Right. Yes. So exactly. To be able to move into a consciousness about, okay, I'm no wrong. These patterns, because what happens is before we know the archetypal patterns, before we know them, they run us right. because they are there. They are always influencing what we do, our choices, that constantly influencing and running what we do. And until we are aware of them, they are running us. Once we become more aware of them, then we have a conscious co-creative. I I wouldn't say we tell the patterns what to do because we're still within the pattern. We still have to run that track, but we have a chance to co-create with it and work it consciously. Right. So, and be more in the gifts of it, in the grace of the, yeah. Yeah. So um, to just touch briefly to answer your question on the specifics of each one, I will uh, very briefly, the victim has to do with self-esteem. That's the key piece. Mm -hmm. And self-esteem is your collection of thoughts, attitudes, ideas about who you are. Mm -hmm. We know when someone has a good self-esteem, they have a lot of good ideas about who they are. They have a lot of good feelings about who they are. So that's the victim. The victim has to do with when a sense of powerlessness in the shadow and a sense of feeling powerful in the light. But the victim can also be the one in the shadow that victimizes others, that actually harms or hurts others. So we've got the hurt, harm, and wounding, you know, that can happen in the shadow. And then in the light, we have compassion, kindness, generosity. Yeah. Those aspects coming through. Okay, so the saboteur has to do in the shadow with sabotaging yourself. That's pretty easy. Most people know what that means to get in one's own way, to forget to change something on your schedule and end up being an hour late to an appointment. That's a very easy example. The saboteur and the light is your guardian of choice, your agent of change. Mm -hmm. So anytime in your life that you've made a big change, you've decided to make a big change for the better so that you are more empowered. Another key word, you're working with the saboteur in the light. I think it's a big one. I think the saboteur is is huge for a lot of people. It is. It is absolutely. And it can also disguise itself as the other survivors, kind of a little bit of a complex idea, but the saboteur is a little bit of an illusionist. Mm -hmm. So the saboteur can actually look like the other archetypes to the other survivors like they can be play the victim or or get into a place of trying to negotiate 
So which is the prostitute. Right. So it's it's kind of a tricky archetype and it does seem to be more prominent than maybe it is yeah. sometimes. Yeah. 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 And then then we've got the prostitute, which is our guardian of faith. So this is the aspect of us that in the shadow sells out that when we have two choices between choosing what everyone else is telling us to do, what everyone else says is a logical, rational, safe mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. and choosing what our heart desires or where our soul is called. And when we're put in a situation where we find ourselves at a crossroads where we have to make a choice between our soul's calling, our heart's passion, you know, as, as Joseph Campbell says, follow your bliss. Follow your we have to make a choice between that and then, well, I need to pay the bills. You know, I've got to take care of the kids. My husband's not going to like me. Any of those kind of things that come along. Oh, my friends, they're going to think I'm wacky. My parents are I'm not going to talk to me anymore. You know, so any of those kind of, wow, I've got to make everybody else happy or here's what I need to do to stay safe. When you make the choice to go the safe route, Mm-hmm. That is the shadow. That's the shadow prostitute. That's the selling out. Selling, the selling out. out. Yeah. And when you make the other choice to follow your bliss, to go with your heart and take the risk, go on faith, F-A-I-T-H, okay. you are with the prostitute in the light. In the light. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people already know about the child, so I won't talk about that one. Yeah. It's in most people. We, there's been a lot of talk of the child. In the, the inner child. Years, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And the second part of that question was just to remind you, because I know <laughs> this is a two-part question. Could you give us some examples of yes. potential personal archetypes? Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. No problem. Uh, so yes, potential personal archetypes. There, uh, Carolyn Mace has a deck of archetype cards, and I think there's something like 80 cards in there or something. And yeah, they're beautiful. Um, yeah, those are, if anybody knows Tarot, those archetypes are like the major arcana. Those are the big guns. Yeah. But there are countless other sub archetypes. Right. Really, ultimately, there's probably as many archetypes as there are stars in the sky. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. Spectrum, isn't it? Like, it is. And I've put it together a running list and I have over 300. Wow. Yeah. So, because I was like, okay, I want to test this out. I just kept writing them down for a number of months. And so that, so to be able to give some examples, it's quite overwhelming, but we've got the engineer, we've got the networker, we have the goddess, we have the queen, we have the king, we have, I mean, it just goes the clown, the jokester, the caregiver, the healer. So we just go on and on and on. It's an endless list. Yeah. And I think a lot of people initially would have the tendency to go for the ones that sound cool. I know I, I actually, who, who was that your route? route? Right. Was that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be a pirate. I don't want to be a beggar. Like, Yeah. So a lot of people are like you, Celine, where they go that route. They're more of the optimist or like, well, I want to choose the one that's that make me feel good about myself. They're kind right. of working yeah. from the, the positive, the light side of the victim. Like, okay, I want to boost my self-esteem here. I don't want to cut myself down. But I usually see there's two types of people, right? We know the glass half full, glass half empty people. There's the glass half empty people. I talk with a lot of people that come in with a list that has the pirate, the beggar, the vampire, the destroyer, you know, just really strong, apparently negative archetypes because they are hard on themselves. They have a, they're more of, well, okay. Typically they're coming from a good place Mm -hmm. or a good motivation in that they want to work on themselves. They want to be critical of themselves and work on themselves so that they can evolve and become better people and more kind and more loving. So 
it's, it's being able to balance that within yourself when you're going through and looking at this list of archetypes is okay. You know, making sure that you're looking at both the kind of underbelly of who you are, the shadow of who you are, where you might be a little nasty to other people. And then the other side where you're kind, where your gifts come through. So really having a balanced perspective when you go to read them. And it's not about what archetypes you want. It's about what archetypes you have. You have. So I, I like to make the distinction. You know, we use the language a lot when we talk about this, like I'm choosing or I'm picking or selecting these archetypes. But ultimately what we're doing is we're discerning we're reflecting on what is already here. Oh, yeah. So it's like imprinted. Yes. It's kind of imprinted in our soul makeup. Like, is it safe to say that? It is safe to say that. And it's also a product of both nature and nurture. I'm going to pull in a little bit of scientific terms or psychology terms here. Yeah. But we'll see the archetypes within ourselves, that it's an imprint, that we are born with those patterns in us. But we will also see the circumstances in our life set up around those archetypes. So for example, I worked with a woman who had the orphan child archetype, and there was no question about it because as a child, she was literally living on the streets with her siblings and no parents around and begging for food. Right. I mean, she was literally an orphan. So it can literally show up. It does. They do literally, these patterns literally do show up in our outside world too. So it's reflecting on what is the life I've been given and what is the life I've been given showing me. And then also who am I from the inside out as well. Okay. Yeah. I think you kind of answered my next question, which was like, what is the process that you use to help your clients discover their archetypes and how do they yeah. use this knowledge to change their lives? Okay. Yeah. So that's part. It definitely I've answered that question in part. Yes. Yeah. So the logistics of it, I meet with people. You know, generally, the structure is we meet for two one-hour sessions. Mm-hmm. The first one, we just we cast a wide net and we brainstorm. You know, we look at all sorts of different archetypes a person may have not considered before. We talk about their life history. So a lot of this work involves going through your timeline of your life and what was there from a really early age. So the start of this call, I was talking about how I was, I read Clarissa Pinkola Estes and at a very early age, well, she's a storyteller. Mm-hmm. She is a storyteller. She has that storyteller archetype and she brings it through really clearly. And that was what I was resonating with in her. So we look at things that we loved as children mm-hmm. and also things that were challenges for us as children. And we mm-hmm. see the archetypes there. And then we see the repeating, we look at the repeating patterns, like what has always been there? What has always been there? So we do somewhat of a life as much as we can, you know, look at the big key events. And then the person goes and reflects, self-reflects on this list, does some research, brings in some new archetypes, reads some more, looks through their history more, and we get together. And then the second meeting is typically when we start then to refine the list, when we start to, okay, let's look at archetypes that are really similar and do some comparing and contrasting among those here to make sure we don't have any duplicates in the list. So that we've got 12 really unique archetypes because um, we want to catch every aspect or facet of somebody that we can. And then the last meeting is hour and a half to two hours where we go through and we read that whole wheel or chart of the archetypes. Yeah. To get some deep insight then. Yeah. Sounds like a very organic kind of intuitive process. And it doesn't seem like it can be rushed. 
Yeah, some people really do rush it in the first phone call. They're like, okay, here's my 12. And, <laughs> and it's really, and I tell people, you get out of it what you put into it. And it's really up to the person, people I'm working with. Like, it's their choice. I, I'm not the one, I don't, you know, so sometimes we'll meet just once. Sometimes I'll meet with people six times over six months. And it's really just what people want to put into it and how long they want to spend with it. And sometimes I'm pushing people, okay, let's make a decision now too, because this isn't the end all be all. There are other charts that we work with beyond this that are working charts that help us start to transform and heal different things in our lives. So this is the launch pad. It's, this is really the foundational work, but there's so much more. This is like a lifetime's worth of study. So I sometimes encourage people to, okay, let's move along too. But you can spend too long belaboring it also, kind of both sides of the coin. Yeah. yeah. And you were asking about how it's changed people's lives. I just want to say quickly, I mean, some people might find this, it may sound very complicated and complex to some people listening, but I can say it's not as hard as it sounds. And knowing about your archetypes is just, it's so empowering and it's just completely gives you a different perspective on you, on your personality and your place in the world and how you interact with people, like it's, it's amazing. So, I mean, that's how it's changed my life. Yeah, it is. It's incredibly beautiful process. And there is a little bit of work involved. It's different than going to a psychic right, or going to an astrologer yeah. because with astrology, all the planets, everything's already written. And then right. the astrologer just reads it for you and you just receive and have somebody tell you about yourself or tell you about your life. And this does require that you engage yeah. with yourself, that you self-reflect and not in a narcissistic, who am I and how cool am I kind of way, but in a deep, like, what am I here for? What would you like of me, greater force that moves through the, the universe that moves through all things. So it's actually a spiritual practice. It is. And it, it really enriches a spiritual practice. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it requires you to dig deep and be willing to go to those places which you don't normally go to on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also, I find that it can be really hard for some people to go to the places of what are my gifts. Right. Because they're so used to being hard on themselves. So it definitely cultivates our mobility, our freedom, our liberty to move around more and see ourselves from more different angles and know ourselves better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've also noticed that I think people need to be aware that there are both light and dark aspects to every archetype. You mentioned that as you were describing the 12 archetypes. How can people recognize when they're embodying the light attributes and how do they know when they're veered into the dark? Like, are there any indications? Well, it's going to be a little bit different depending on which archetype you're working with. Mm -hmm. And it's also depending on the severity, right? So we think of light and shadow and we think black, white. We think right, wrong. Am I being right with this archetype? I want to do the right thing. And I I don't want to be wrong or I don't want to fail. I want to succeed. So we get in this polarity. And I think the important thing to know is that it's actually a spectrum from shadow to light. Mm -hmm. It's an evolutionary path that we are on and we move back and forth along the spectrum. So some days I'm very much in the shadow of the victim and feeling quite powerless and, oh man, life is hard and everything's hard. And then the next day or two hours later, I'm feeling good and excited 
and ready to go. So there's movement within this too. So that's not like you're going to get graded at the end of this all in terms of like you get a B, <laughs> like you've done so well. You're this much in the light, so you get a B. And there will be different archetypes, you know, some that are in the light while others are in the shadow. So there's a lot moving and going on with all of that. So that said, you know, with the in the light aspect, it has to do with your gifts. It has to do with your sense of feeling empowered and also your sense of openness and being loving and kind and compassionate. And in the shadow, we are more guarded. Mm-hmm. We're more protective of who we are. We're more cool. suspicious of others and untrusting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it really so, goes down to that, right? If you're in the light, it's all about love. It's about kindness. It's about compassion. When you're in the dark, it's fear. It's anger. Fear is a good way to talk about it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we've reached the end of our time together, Stacey, and it's been such an interesting conversation full of great advice and ideas that I'm sure people would absolutely love. So a big thank you for that. Yes, you're very welcome. For my listeners who are interested in working with Stacy, you can visit her website at uh, www.wildgratitude.com. Thanks again, Stacy. Yeah, it's been wonderful talking with you about this and so excited to hear how your journey with the archetypes goes. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Yeah. So have a wonderful day. Yes, you too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.